Hey everyone, welcome to the Comics Collective After Dark, the comics show where we get hella thirsty about Dan Mora and Grant Morrison's Klaus and his bulging Santa muscles. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis, and I didn't realize this book was by Grant Morrison. (laughs) And I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Are we fired yet from the internet? Like, I should just introduce myself all the time. Why don't I just do that? <laughs> Surprise, Morrison. <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. <laughs> it's the most happiest time of the year. Surprise, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. No, shut oh. up from our time machine. <laughs> from our time machine Santa sled, baby. <laughs> our Santa TARDIS. We are coming to you <laughs> from the past. That's how time travel works. It is November 14th. <laughs> Happy December 1st, dear listener. Dallas Taylor right now is in We Paris, being just Parisian as hell, just eating croissants buying baguettes, and loading up on Mobius comics to punish Anne and Alexis with for the foreseeable calendar year. They have no words, Alexis. If we stop you now, you'll never get there. (laughs) This is the ultimate Christmas caper. We have time to act. Don't give us time to act. Don't give us ideas. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Before we get into it, I love Christmas time. This truly is like the most magical time of the year for me. And so I want to talk a little bit about Christmas, if that's okay. I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew Uh, that we could not do an episode without talking about it. Forget his birthday. It's Christmas. True. I love Christmas. Uh, Do you two have favorite Christmas traditions or holiday season traditions? And go first. All of ours are shared. <laughs> well, I've, I've always appreciated this from a young age. Like, all my family lives in, like, the same area, except for, like, one uncle who lives in Japan. It's like, he lives far enough away for everyone, so everyone else lives close. Nope, so, about, yeah, that uncle we always did, um, <laughs> we always did, we would go to see my dad's side of the family on Christmas Eve, and I'd get my first load of presents, presents there, and then we'd come back, and real Christmas would be at my parents' house with my mom's side of the family. So I would have, like, double Christmas. And that's that was my favorite. That was my favorite part. Double double presents. That's always fun. There you go. Speaking of double presents, stupid. all the way across the sky. All the way. All the way. <laughs> that's from the ancient internet that Anne and I inhabited before you oh, youngins. The primordial soup. <laughs> Harry Potter puppet pals. <laughs> I know them. From the history books, probably. Yeah, exactly. They brought them out on the textiles, and they started to roll the wheel to show you. I remember once upon a Christmas, Alexis asked, why do they call it rolling up windows? That's the stupidest name. It's just a little switch. Hey. And I looked at her, and I aged a thousand years. And I was like, have you never rolled up a window? And she looked at me like. I think dad died when I said that. 
You know the scene in the Santa Claus where he just pops in with a beard? He's just looking exactly. in the mirror and beard, that was you? <laughs> exactly. All right, Anne likes double presents, a woman after my own heart. Alexis, what is your favorite Christmas tradition? Uh, I love waking everyone up at 4.30 in the morning to open my presents. I don't think we've ever made it to 5 a.m. I don't think we've ever made it to 5 a.m. And then Dad just plots our death every single time. And we always send Tiffany Tiffany into the room to wake them up because they can't be mad at her. That sounds like like the most Lexi thing I've ever heard. Yep. I am a plotter. As the Torah teaches, we send Tiffany in as a scapegoat with the sins of the siblings on her head to be slaughtered in the wilderness (laughs) that we may receive the bountiful gifts under the tree. Yep. It truly is a sacred occurrence at the Taylor household every Christmas morning. And uh, that damn little scapegoat just keeps coming back. And uh, (laughs) that's why we're such a filthy bunch. Mm -hmm. Our sins just keep coming back. Yep. Also love wake. I I don't sleep for anybody that has never heard me talk about Christmas before, which is probably most of you. Um, I don't ever sleep, not a single wink on Christmas. Um, I get too excited. And so I will go up throughout multiple times of the night to sort my presents into different piles and then go back down to my bed because my mom will literally throw me off the balcony if I open anything. So, yep. That is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas traditions that I like. This you is going to be a weird traditions. one because I'm I'm away from home now. So like all the things that I'm used Ooh, to doing, like I'm going to see Paris. Christmas lights. And, yeah, poor little baby me. <laughs> oh, big sad eye emojis. Ooh. I I really love Christmas with my family. Like I love seeing those big dumb idiots. I love watching them open gifts. I think gift giving is definitely my love language for anyone that hasn't picked up on that yet. And I really have bought into later in life the idea like giving presents is just as good as getting it because there is no better feeling than giving a gift and watching like a sibling or a friend or a parent open it up and just love it. And like knowing that you nailed it and you got to show them how much they mean to you. I just, I love the season. I'm very excited this year to see like the Rockefeller tree go up. I'm excited to skate around in Central Park. I'm excited Alexis is coming to visit me for Christmas. I'm so excited. We're going to relive the Elf movie. I've already planned it. We're going to do all of the things. And Addie has to be the dad that comes and busts us out of prison when we get arrested for drinking in the mailroom. That's my plan. Oh, there it is. I truly (laughs) think Elf is the best Christmas movie. That's my my favorite Christmas movie is Elf. We once watched it into June. And my mom was like, it has to end. You have to stop. That's me and the Santa Claus too. Uh, Alexis, do you have a favorite? Klaus. Oh, it's so good. Okay, well, you can't just come out to a taste and just like... (laughs) Okay, Show okay, us okay. Up. definitely uh, Christmas Vacation, other than oh, that, but uh, I want to be Cousin so Eddie good. for Halloween one year. That's my next goal. Just empty in the shitter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I want Dad uh, to be that for Halloween. Or just Eddie. Anyway. Every, he's that every other day. <laughs> Why would he need to dress up food. as himself? <sighs> he is Cousin Eddie. No, Uncle Mark is Cousin Eddie. We have We have a Cousin Eddie, and his name is Mark. That is true. Well, Do you guys good. have a favorite Christmas present that you've received? Oh, Ooh, tickets to Wicked? Mm, cried about that. But that wasn't even a gift to me. That was just one that I got to 
partake of. Nerd. I remember my Xbox 360 with Halo Reach. Beautiful. <laughs> best, that is a good one. Best present. Uh, about to out myself as an effing nerd. I remember I got a set of encyclopedias once when I was 11, <laughs> and I was so excited. I read those things like crazy. Okay, no, no, I take it back. Going back further, when I got my Jurassic Park 3 Spinosaurus <gasps> toy, it was like no the way. big one that was like two feet long, and it like was like squishy, and you could move the legs and the jaws, and it roared if you like touched like the scars on it. It was so oh, cool. It was the best thing one. ever. They had such good toys with Jurassic Park 3. Right. Again, back in the primordial ooze when we were children. Um, the, Jurassic <laughs> the toys Park were better than toys. the movie. And the Revenge of the Sith toys was... I remember the rollout of the Revenge of the Sith toys that was the greatest, like, six months of my life right? as a kid. They came in that super cool packaging that kind of looked like the Buzz Lightyear package mm-hmm. with the big clear front. Oh, wow. I still have my... Clone Trooper over there on my bookshelf. His name is Commander Falcon because I put it up to Twitter to vote and they voted Falcon is his name now. So I've had him with me for literally 16 years. My mom always used to threaten that if I didn't clean up my toys that she would give them away to the donation center. And I did not believe her. And she did. She gave them all. She gave them all all away. So all of my Star Wars and all of my He-Man toys. Oh, gone to the wind oh no my my dinosaur toys are still at my parents house i guarantee it they're in the garage somewhere and i i will go fish them out and you can go see how anatomically incorrect they all were i will they are so out of date not a single one has feathers not a single one i mean that might be coming back into date t-rex has gone through it looked like a chicken back to it's too large to have feathers so yeah she shaved good for her yeah she She just has like bumpy plucked chicken skin like (laughs) good for her um this has been a great 10 minute digression thank you for humoring me happy christmas listeners happy holidays we hope this yule time is lovely for you and i thought it would be especially appropriate to kick off this month talking about the man in red himself drumroll please klaus by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. The book's so good that it tricked Alexis into not realizing it was a Grant Morrison book. <laughs> it was a trap. What did you think about Klaus, Alexis? It was good. I liked super muscly hot Santa. We got Lexi to like a Grant Morrison book and all it took was a sylph. <laughs> Santa I'd like to friend. With to a flirt big with. On Facebook. Uh, or meta, on sorry, Facebook. my bad. <laughs> disgusting oh. <laughs> so, so actually can we just talk about lady dagmar though mm, forget santa mm. <laughs> i hit a I... nerve <laughs> redheads yep that that's all that's that, that's my no that's my thoughts just old-timey oh. redheads the only thing that can threaten the space bonds old-timey redheads it's with bow and arrows with bow and arrows I have pe- I posted that Dan Mora panel yesterday, and I had people coming in my comments saying, she's not that good. She doesn't look that – she's not sexy. I'm like, are you high? Are you actually high? I had somebody recommend me a comic the other day where on the cover the girl's boobs were bigger than her head. And I was like, I don't think you – I don't think you know where you're at, friend. Read the room. Oh, like, my God. 
those tickled bitties are gonna hurt her little <laughs> tiny waist her with no back. internal. Jeez, she has please. no internal organs. Her tits like, this is... are out to here. She's that poor girl. Mm, all that is... anime plot. Ugh. My hot take is that anime is hella sexist all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't that's... like it. My my hot take, whenever someone says manga is better than comics, it's because of that. They just miss the tickle, the, the tickle bitties. And I mean, to be fair, you can be hot and not gross. Mm-hmm. Klaus exactly. is proof. Klaus is hot as hell. <laughs> Everyone in this comic so is hot as hell. And it's not gross, ever. There's sexual tension in this book. It's not gross, ever. It's mm-hmm. kind and wholesome and good. Get married. Married, married. <laughs> <laughs> Two of his one wings us together today. So, for anyone that doesn't know, Klaus is a series by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora that mm-hmm. was initially a seven-issue miniseries and has four subsequent one-shot issues. That were each released annually at Christmas time. Grant has said in interviews that they have a whole binder of Klaus stories. So every single year that both Dan and Grant are free and want to do one, they will release a Klaus story until the day they die. They say that there are more extended stories like the original that they have as well. They just happen to have released the four one shots so far. So today we're going to talk about that initial seven-issue story, and then we're going to touch on each of the four one-shots as well, because those are secretly my favorite ones. <laughs> I love them a lot. Yeah. And they make me cry. It's because there is Morrison as Morrison can be. That last 25-page one that was the advent calendar, tell me oh you my... didn't cry. Tell me you didn't sob. So freaking I, talk about Did you go, it. I went through it once and then I went backwards so I could watch it in chronological order. <laughs> it's just so tender. It's a life well lived. And we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But we need to talk about the, the mini first. All right, Anne, Anne, pitch pitch the mini. Tell us about Klaus. Okay. So the mini is Santa Claus Secret Origin or Santa Claus Year One. And it's like imagine, you know, like the old um stop motion um Christmas shows, the like um Ooh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Imagine that, but we give Santa Claus his own Lex Luthor, and also there's violence and swords and wolves. And it's just so perfect. The story is, there's this magical guy. What what was his name? What was his name before? Was it just Klaus? It was just Klaus. Okay, it was just Klaus. I don't know why I was thinking it was something different. Like yeah, Klaus the mantle or something. Filbert. Yeah. Such it's such an interesting origin because he literally his mother freezes to death, but he's okay and he gets plucked out, taken to this town, and it finds that we, he has these magical abilities. But then eventually the town gets taken over by this evil guy who has evil nefarious plans for a mind next to the town. Just a real slimy fellow. Real slimy, real Severus Snape looking. Severus Snape mother. looking dude. <laughs> had and some greasy hairs. Just a little bit. Oh, he was. If snivelly was a word, it's this dude. Snivellous. And thank goodness snivelly isn't a word, though. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I, you know what I mean. <laughs> Forget it. If it was a person, that would. Okay. Um, and 
he comes back to this town one day to find it's a town devoid of happiness, love, and a town that doesn't celebrate Christmas, where all the toys are given to this guy. Did he become a king? I'm I read the story. I'm just completely blanking on what his title was. He was, he was a like baron. A reg- he was like a regent or a, a baron. Regent, a baron. Anyway, all the toys in the town are given to his son, who is a really, really selfish, selfish, spoiled kid. A wee shite. A wee shite, if you will. And yeah, he decides this town sucks. It used to be really nice. I used to like the girl who is the mother of this little shite. So I'm going to bring Christmas back to this town. After doing some drugs in the woods one day, he <laughs> makes a bunch of toys while he's high, brings That's them back true. in the middle of the night. And do what? Oh, yeah, on shrooms. Definitely. Some plants he picked off at the side of a tree. Definitely. That's the first part where the Morrison comes out and you see the little al- the forest alien things. Yeah. And, yeah, he has to bring joy back to this town where joy is not allowed. And he might just have to fight a little Krampus along the way just because. Just a little Krampus just sprinkled a little in Krampus. Dude, that thing is Krampus the joy. freaking creature of my nightmares. Krampus. It's spooky. Dwight Schrute appears. <laughs> Hot take. Who? Every Santa Claus origin story should have a little Krampus in it. Just a Just little a bit. Just a sprinkle of Krampus. It's kind of like in Fight Club how they snip in. Oh, I'm sorry. In the untitled movie where they snip in the like one second of pornography mm-hmm. into children's movies. It's that but Krampus into every Christmas movie. Just like one shot and you're like, what was that? Subliminal nightmares for your children. Subliminal Krampus. Subliminal Grinch. Is the Grinch just Krampus? Yeah, I think so. He's got no. He's just your sleep paralysis demon. He is my sleep paralysis (laughs) demon. Jim carries the Grinch. If we're gonna talk about Christmas, you better bring that up. Uh, Some other time. Yeah. Okay. But can we talk about his his little doggy Lily? His little doggy Lily. Lily. Oh, yeah, because in Crypto. the story they replace the reindeer with wolves, which Giant is the most wolves. exactly it's the most metal thing you could possibly do <laughs> in a Christmas story. Twilight sized wolves. Twilight sized wolves. <laughs> well, now it's unmetal. <laughs> it's the anti-metal. Yep, they're just a bunch of punk <laughs> rock teenagers. Don't say anti-metal. Scott Snyder might come and might write a Klaus <laughs> oh, story. Oh no, it's not as good. <laughs> No, no, third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. It'll get better. <laughs> oh, this is such a comic booky take on Santa Claus. And I think that's what makes it work so well. It's not the wholesome Christmas story you'd see on like ABC Family or Freeform, I guess it is now, because I'm old. But um, it's just it's so much fun. And the, the spinoffs get more bonkers and more fun. But this one is one of the only Morrison stories that plays it pretty safe, I would say. And, like, it's very easy to follow. It's very straightforward. All the wacky, crazy, existential stuff is just kind of hinted at more than explicitly stated. And I think that's what really makes it work as, like, a good Christmas story for anyone. I think this is a, a perfect comic for anyone. Like, beginners, perfect comic for beginners, too. Any everyone should read this every year during Christmas. I think it's fantastic. Read this instead of the Bible on New Year's on Christmas Eve. <laughs> you open up Christmas Luke Eve. two and it's just Klaus. Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I 
love this book. And I love that Grant is in a place now mm-hmm. where they don't feel like they have to show everyone how smart they are. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think they would admit that themselves, that some of their earlier work is them being like, look at what I have to offer. And then they sort of just became, that's their whole shtick. And Klaus really feels like the beginning of a third era where they're like, I love comic books and superheroes and these stories so much. And I don't, I don't want to get in the way of other people enjoying that. And I think that's a little bit of the magic of Klaus because Klaus is still a deeply personal work for Grant. It's the book that they wrote right after their mom died. That's why mom is such a big role in this book that the two good characters in the book are Santa Claus and mom. And it's about a little boy learning to be less selfish and crude and more of a kind-hearted person because of their mom, right? So that's Grant pulling from their life. But I, I read a lot of interviews about Klaus after reading this book, and it made me really happy because Grant said, obviously there are elements of both Batman and Superman and Klaus. I wanted to keep writing these superheroes forever and realized I couldn't do that at DC Comics anymore. He said, but the big thing that's different about Klaus is that Klaus is kinder than either of those characters. And to be kinder than Superman, you've got to be pretty damn kind. And I think that really comes up for me in The Crying Snowman, which we'll get to, where Klaus really nails home the idea Mm -hmm. that everybody gets a second chance. Everybody deserves love. And as they said in the initial miniseries, there are no such thing as bad kids. And... I really think that this book gets to the core of what Christmas is all about, Um, regardless of denomination, faith, or anything. I think this season, as Klaus continues to put it, is about bringing light back into the world, right? At the darkest time of the year, Santa Claus and this idea of kindness and forgiveness and allowing people to be something new brings light back into the world And I think that's what's so special. And I love that that's the central tenet of this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really like that we see that like in the the human characters, like not specifically Klaus, we see a lot of moral gray areas. Like we see good characters that do some bad things. We see some bad characters that become good as the story goes on. But I think having Klaus be better than Superman in that way, where he doesn't have those same flaws, really embodies him as the spirit of Christmas, as the spirit of this time. And I thought that was so special and unique. And that's why you can do all these crazy things, like especially in the spinoffs later, you can have all these crazy, wacky Morrisonisms in there and still have it feel like a Christmas story because this is just a good guy, the pinnacle of good the pinnacle of light because you can't have that dichotomy here you can't have that dark mixed in when you're trying to make the point that this is what this season is supposed is supposed to represent because there's not supposed to be ambiguity ambiguity in the season it's supposed to be clear-cut this is what this is what everything's about and i thought that was really smart of course morrison's a smart person so no surprise there Um, I also failed to mention this. Morrison also said was their big love letter to the Doctor Who franchise as well. And Ann is a much much bigger Doctor Who fan Mm -hmm. than myself. But the one tidbit that made me want to go read, I watch rather, some Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. was this concept that Klaus wasn't the character that needed the development. Klaus was already good. Klaus is already the ideal. So it's the people around Klaus that need to change. And that was what Morrison said. They pulled the most from Doctor Who. And that made me 
excited to go and check out some Doctor Who as well. Mm -hmm. And you're a huge Doctor Who fan. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of Klaus yes. as a love letter to Doctor Who? I'm a very big Doctor Who fan. In fact, I've read the two Grant Morrison Doctor Who comics. So I have just a leg up on you <laughs> in the Grant Nerd. Morrison department. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> yeah, right? Nerd. Come at me, fight me. Come take my comics. Oh, wait, you wouldn't understand them because you haven't seen Doctor Who. Anyways, um, I think that goes back to like, Klaus isn't necessarily a character so much as the embodiment of the season, and he uses that to change others, and others are inspired by him, and that's definitely something you see in Doctor Who. Like, the Doctor is a character that's existed for almost 60 years. When you reach a point when that character cannot really be changed anymore, and a lot of times you don't have to try because you go to so many fantastic places, you meet so many different people that that's that's where you can do your character development. You can make these people better. And that the idea that really comes in with those um, four spinoffs later, each one taking place in like a different time, a different place with these wacky, insane, absolutely cheesy and convoluted things happening in the background. That's the point is they're so convoluted and crazy that it lets all the focus be on these characters in the center. Like the logic of the story doesn't matter. It's, all about character development and all about character growth and work and just there's moments like where we talk about the coca-cola spinoffs later you see a lot of stuff like that in doctor who where it's just like the big evil corporation that is definitely not amazon that is definitely doing these things when it's just brain just completely just completely fried there but it's reading through those stories it made me want to go back and watch doctor who it that's the spirit of the show, especially like the Moffat era stuff. I think that's what clicks with him the most. So yeah, it's, it really made me happy. And Doctor Who is also really closely associated with Christmas and the holidays ever, ever since the, the relaunch happened and they do a holiday special every year. So I think that's, that was a really smart move. I like it. Alexis, as someone who likes Santa Claus stories, who likes the who just said Klaus was her favorite Christmas movie unrelated Klaus? to this comic by the way what did you think of this as a Santa Claus origin the sort of swords and shields knights and damsels in distress take on the Klaus origin I liked it I thought it was fun I mean of course for the longest time our whole lives we've always heard about Santa Claus the different lore around him and it's always funny to, like, think about, like, oh, where did this come from? Where did this come from? And that begs the question of all these different people wanting to write a story about that. And I thought, like, of course, because I have watched the Netflix show, Klaus, like, it's a similar-esque type big brawny tough man that likes bringing joy to these children. He likes to see everyone have have something for themselves in the holiday season. And I thought it was really interesting to see like the spooky Krampus in it. I thought he was absolutely terrifying and like how he drove the father to like insanity. And I don't know. I feel like it just had so many like interesting parts moving with it. And it just kept my attention like the whole time. And it was so mm -hmm. fun and made me hate Grant slightly less slightly. you know going off that thinking about santa claus it's a character that has been around for so long and has had so many different origins told that i think 
Grant really embraced that and said, okay, I can really make this as wacky as I want because it cannot possibly be any wackier than any of the other stories that have been told. Like, you cannot possibly get any crazier than, like, <laughs> um, Santa Claus is coming to town and he just meets a random penguin with a scarf one day and then they go hang out and then they go see this um, wicked wizard of the north or whatever it is and he's the one who gives him the special reindeer pellets that let his reindeer fly and he goes and breaks people out of jail and stuff like that. You cannot possibly get crazier than what's already happened. So the fact that he's like, they were like, um, let's go ahead, do swords and sandals, like sorcery type stuff. I thought that was really cool. It's like, we can make an action-packed Santa Claus because it hasn't really been done before. And yeah, people are going to eat it up because they eat all the other stuff up too. So play into the craziness, steer into the skid. I like it. I also, it's very fun to see Dan Mora's grasp on the artwork and the world of Klaus change as mm-hmm. the story goes on. Uh, I first met Dan Mora with Once in Future, another very fun Swords and Shields kind of story for anybody that's interested. But to then go back and read Klaus, some of Dan's really early work was so, so fun to see that. But then especially with each year with the one shots to watch the, over the course of five years, this artist level up to one of the best artists in comics at this moment was incredible. And we keep alluding to the one shots. I loved the origin, but like the one shots were the magic for mm-hmm. me. I think they were the best. And so are you too comfortable moving into the one shots? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I keep thinking there's um a doctor who Christmas special. It's doctor. Who's a Christmas Carol. Where it's like, it very much plays on that specific tale, but with crazy random differences. Like, it's on an alien planet, and the doctor has to get this one old guy to cooperate because he has a machine that controls the clouds, and there's a ship crashing. And he has to control the clouds to let the ship crash, but he's, you know, grumpy old Scrooge and won't let it. So the doctor takes his TARDIS and goes back in time while the old guy's watching on the screen, and he rewrites that guy's history to try to make him kinder. And through the story, he plays... He plays the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future in really unique and cool ways. And there's crazy stuff that happens in the middle. Like there's this woman that the Scrooge guy falls in love with who's frozen beneath the basement because she has this illness and she can only come out seven more times before she dies. And he has to debate when he's going to let her out for that last time. There's also flying fish and flying sharks involved that play a really cool role. And there's a part where they actually tie a sled to these flying sharks. And that spirit is exactly the spirit that happens in all of these spinoffs, like the craziness with the Moonshins and the Martians and the Ragnarok comet that comes around like every 500 years. It's just insane. It's 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 the best type of insane. And I like that some of them have like really wholesome endings like the Ragnarok comic. Where it's like, these guys are so fierce, they killed gods before, they killed Odin, they killed Thor. But then they come back and Santa Claus is like, I know you just want like some fire from the sun, we're not going to be a dick about it, just take it and go. And they're like, oh, cool, no one has to die, awesome, we like that. And just to touch back on that Doctor Who aspect, that's the type of crazy insanity that I really love in a story. Just because, just throw your brain out the window and have fun with a story for once. That's, that's what this is. It's just enjoyment. Listening to you describe that doctor who I was like, Oh, this is what my wife hears when I'm talking about these comic books. 
I was like, this this is what Addy hears when I'm oh, like, no, no, real. Superman became the idea of himself, and he's running a perpetual motion machine in the sun. Like, that's exactly what that just felt like to me. So yeah. thank you for You're making welcome. me a more empathetic person by understanding none of that, but being like, it's okay. vibes, vibes, good for you. Um, so if we want to go in the order I read it in, because whatever I do is correct at all times. Uh-huh, right. Um, this is the chronological order. The Witch of Winter was the first. This yep. is the one where they're little wooden monsters and we get to meet Pinocchio's dad. Klaus interacts with some little kids that have wishes. It's very fun. What did we think of the Witch of Winter? She was a cold baddie, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) That was so (laughs) She was she was so cold and I thought Gibetto was so hot at the end. Get it because he like burned. He He died. (laughs) All right. So anyway, muting both of these dumbasses. Um You can't do that. I will be moving forward talking about Klaus. So, yeah, they're muted. You don't have to listen to them Wrong. anymore. Sweet, sweet, precious listeners. Uh, I think one of the, I'm back. One of the big strengths of Klaus is the... We're dropping in the middle of the story. I promise all the details and lore aren't that important. I'll give you the important bits. Just come along for the ride with me. The magic of a comic book is you don't have to know everything. Just pick it up, admit that you're stupid, and be along for the ride that is so fun. And I think that this first one shot of Klaus really shows you that you don't need to be all caught up in continuity. You don't need to be worried about knowing every little bit of lore of Klaus. You can just be a part of this fun ride. and But then you can retroactively go back and build out the world in your head a little bit. You can ask yourself about things like the Lunar War. You can ask yourself about the shop and the League of Santas and all of this amazing stuff that keeps coming up and being fleshed out by these one-shots. But I think this first one-shot was probably my least favorite of the bunch, but it was still fun. It's It felt a little bit more like the origin story to me. I was like, okay, we're kind of doing superhero Santa. That's fun. Um, but were there any really strong bits from it that either of you two liked? Um. I think I'm in the same boat as you, where it's like, this was pretty solid. It's definitely, like, it feels like flipping a switch for me, going straight from the origin to this, because Grant definitely said, okay, the first story is kind of tame, kind of down to earth, but then they're like, okay, I'm going to bring in some really soft world building here and throw a bunch of my mumbo jumbo at you, and you're going to eat it up, because I'm Grant Morrison. And I think once you get past that initial shock of it, because I read straight from the Klaus number seven into this and I was definitely taken aback at first just by how much the tone felt like it shifted for me but once I got past that it's still a solid story like I thought bringing in characters like Geppetto was really interesting because I was like I like seeing that Grant is pulling from other folklore and um, fairy tales and stuff like that and we get more of that later we get like the Christmas League or whatever it is happening that is so cool and um yeah. Ultimately, I feel like this one was the most forgettable of them. I, I only remember the name of the dad or the kids, but 
I, I do did, like. I did like the last little bit with the kids and about that their was... Christmas wish. Yeah. That's like no matter how crazy these Klaus stories get, they wind up in like the last three pages like Popeye, and they just punch you right in the gut with feelings every single time. Every single time. I like his little pep talk about their mom. I was like, ah, okay, I don't need that. Don't need that. I just, I love this last page with the kids in the sleigh, which is like this technicolor, spiky, crazy thing pulled by wolves. So fun. <laughs> love it. Santa's got the biggest grin on his face, his big old like handlebar mustache. And the little boy says, wow. So what, what did you wish for, uh, Nam? And she says, oh, not much. Only the best Christmas possible in the circumstances. Um, so wholesome. And then just ho, 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 as Santa pulls them out with him to go deliver presents. And just, again, the going back to the theme of this being Grant's book for their mom, um, the mom having passed away for these little kids, Santa saves the day, right? Santa still makes the holiday special, even when your mom can't be with you. And I don't know, I just, I really like that. Alexis, not to pull back too much it, skin into therapy land, but our mom <laughs> loves Christmas. Oh, So heavens. how did you feel like this book spoke to you as someone who has a mom that loves Christmas as much as we do? Well, I mean, I feel like I could see, like specifically just the example with these kids of not, having their mom around for the holidays. And I just, I feel like it was so sweet to try and like of seeing their dad try at the very beginning. Like he was dressed up as Santa. Like he had really crappily wrapped presents that he was trying to stuff in places. Like I just felt like if something similar to this would have happened when we were kids of how different it would have been. And I feel like for example, I do remember the little girl's name. I think her name's Naomi. Um, and I remember there's part of her throughout the story that she, um, they say like her heart gets frozen over and she doesn't believe in Santa because of her circumstances. She's like, I, this person who makes this holiday so special is not here anymore. And I don't want anything to do with it because I associate this time with these people, like with this person. And I feel like that's very telling, especially for our family, because our mom is love her to death, but she is literally the queen of Christmas and she is crazy about it. She always decks out to the nines, our entire house. And it's just so fun. And I can't imagine having that holiday without that person that we all love so much. And so I feel like it's a very telling point, especially for Grant having just lost um, their mother. And I feel like that's such a hard time for a lot of people that they have to go through that. Um, but I feel like it was just told in a beautiful way that made you feel what those kids were feeling. And I feel like with Santa specifically, he, he like, I just, I remember seeing like the little boy when he saw Santa for the first time, he was like, oh, oh damn, okay, you are Santa not my dad dressed up like Santa in our living room. Like it just, it was just so fun. And so I, I personally liked this one a little bit more and still not as much as the other ones, but I, I did like it. I enjoyed it. I like it. Um, the next one in the list 
Crisis and Christmasville, or Xmasville specifically, is Grant's very fun jab at Coca-Cola. Try, or I'm sorry, Pola Cola, trying to make Santa Claus and Christmas their brand. Um, this was a really fun one for me, honestly. I think that the sort of the watercoloring that Dan Mora does on the artwork in here gives this one a very Christmas storybook feel that I think is tonally appropriate. The the central crux of the story is basically that the brand Pola Cola has made a deal with the Martians, which I found out is a reference back to like Aliens. a 1950s Christmas story that was like on the radio where like Santa what? had to fight the Martians. And Grant found out about this and was like, oh, I have to use this. <laughs> well, obvious. I have to. I have to. It speaks to Grant on a spiritual level. And so the Martians have to harvest the imagination of children. And so this company steals the children away using Christmas as a lure to appease the Martians and become rich beyond their wildest dreams, commodifying off of Santa in their little town called Xmasville. And it was just fun, strange story. That I love so much. Hello? Say. Hello? Wait, sorry, Dallas, your mic, your mic was a little doing wiggy the there. Where did I cut off? You didn't cut off, it's just screechy again. It was through the hallway voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, aliens. That's where we were. Aliens. <laughs> yeah, no, so that, I just. Yeah. I, yeah, I really I, like this one. This one was fun. It's the one where I posted about like Santa Claus is like, oh, I'm immortal now. Don't know what that means. I said, well, it means you get to be the face of Coca Cola now. So I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> and then someone commented like, oh, they'll get to that. And I'm like, really? But and then they they got to it. They certainly and, do. Was this the one that introduced the the shield maiden person, or was that the last one? I think that was no, it was this one because is this one with Santa Lobo? Yes, this one was Santa okay, Lobo. Okay, yes. So yes, then yeah. this is because Santa Lobo beat up Santa, and then Frosty Maiden came and helped him out. Yes, I I had to talk about Snow Maiden. The, I had name? to talk about the blonde in the story. Yes. I had Hot to. Blonde. It's on, it's in character for me. I have to do it. <laughs> she kind of made me, she had like Sailor Moon vibes with her outfit. I was yes. like, you're fun. <laughs> you're fun. I like you. I want, I want a Klaus extended like universe. I want like Klaus <laughs> to have its own line of comics like Image in Marvel and DC. And I want <laughs> all these characters just in December to have like four issue miniseries that come out every week. That's, you that's know. my dream. That would be extremely fun, honestly. <laughs> I think that's some of the fun of this, though, is that, like, it seems like an annual peek into a much larger world. Oh, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. just like these stories hop around in time and space, we as the reader just get to see that little sliver. Mm -hmm. And all these things happen off page. The I read somewhere that, like, the Lunar War 
is a reference to Doctor Who, like the Time War, like something you never really get to see, but gets oh, referenced yes. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that I just have all this like Doctor Who lore in my head now from the, reading Clouds. I love that you've never watched Doctor Who, but you can say Time War <laughs> with us giving us homework now. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, big um, brain. Big, big old honking brain. Um, I liked the idea of Pola Cola creating their own like corporate blue Santa Claus and <laughs> oh. Klaus being like, absolutely not. Yeah, not. No. What did you think about polar blue Santa Claus? <laughs> Gave me milkman vibes. I think uh, he's visited my mom a few times. <laughs> um, he, he, had, he, had, he had big stepdad energy and I didn't like him. <laughs> I didn't like him one not bit at all. Not quite as good. Off-brand Santa. No thanks. I don't want Walmart brand Oreo Santa. No way. I do not want Pepsi Claus. I do not want <laughs> Pepsi Claus. <laughs> oh, that was like, it's it's the plan where it's like, this is so cheesy, but I completely believe that this would work. If so, made Santa into a literal army and I just can't. I can't even. Could you imagine San- like World War Three, and it's like the subtitle is like Santa Claus or something like that? The Santa Wars. The Santa that- Wars. That's when our history peaks, to be honest. Mm-hmm. After the Santa Wars. That's the culture war I want, liberals. <laughs> um, all right. Speed running through the last two really good ones, and we'll do some yes. questions. Uh, the Crying Snowman. Ooh. Wrecked going me. To make you cry. We got our little it, Jack Frost story. It was so like, good. It was so wholesome. And it's just, it's. I really like the idea. It's like the colder it is, the better he can think. And they yeah. take the fight to Titan. They take the fight to Titan, the moon, and he gets dunked into a methane lake. It's seems right. If you can say like that whole sentence, the living snowman goes with Santa Claus and his wolves to fight gods on titan and you don't get like giddy on the inside i don't trust you your inner child is dead (laughs) or you're on drugs or or you're on drugs or these weird aliens are sucking out your imagination exactly the martians might have sucked your imagination probably i i love though that the the most intelligent that the snowman gets is realizing how he's coming sh- up short in his life mm-hmm. and that he needs to be there for his son. I also loved that this is the specific moment that Grant said, this is the story that Superman couldn't have done, that mm-hmm. this this guy that he cheated on his wife, he's been a bad dad, he's been a bad guy. Uh, Grant's like, the Superman story ends with Superman like degrading, like deriding that behavior and being like, you have to do better. You know, like, mm-hmm. I am Superman, follow me. Which I think is a good message and is a fun story. I right. love Superman. But what makes Klaus special is Klaus says, everybody deserves a second chance at Christmas. And we get to see that, sure enough, given a second chance, this dad makes the right decisions. And that is a message that's important to me at Christmas. Right? This is mm-hmm. the season of forgiveness, the season of love. And watching that snowman melt and fall over for the dad to be behind oh it. My God. To oh, my God. give the kid a hug. <laughs> that Big going back in tears. time, when he's like, oh, but we went back in time, so I saved you. Yeah, that, when he's like, you didn't die. 
I was like, what? Also, another Doctor Who Christmas episode where um they go back in time and actually save these kids' death, this family's dad from dying because they like guide him home out of a fog storm because he's flying a plane. So yeah, just another little casual little Jeez, reference we there. Just, we just read Doctor Who but didn't know it at this point. I was tricked. I was Let tricked into you, Who. Grant Morrison's Doctor Who, there is a talking penguin. If I could, right. you know, interest you a little bit. Mm, penguin. Intrigue talking you. Talking penguin, you say. You in. Talking penguin. I think his name is Frabisher. Even better. <laughs> um, for those of you, there seemed to be a lot of people on Twitter that were very interested in the Klaus comic that was where he looked like Chris Hemsworth Thor. And also there was mm-hmm. Ragnarok happening. That's this one. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if you only want to read one. Klaus and the Crying Snowman is the one to read. Hot take. I thought this was better than Thor Ragnarok. (gasps) Hot take. I thought this was one of the best single issues of comics I've written in a very long time. (laughs) And your take. You get it every once in a while. Every just once in a Christmas moon. Um, (laughs) The final story was all about your boy Joe Christmas. And it was all about making you cry ugly crocodile tears mm-hmm. all right this one is the life and times of joe christmas it has 25 double page vertical splashes like a christmas story um that probably didn't come through on digital but in the physical they are sideways so you have to turn the book sideways like oh. an old-timey christmas oh, story no way and you open them up so it's 50 pages just like the others but it's 25 images and so they're just these giant 25 images showing you the life and times of this fellow Joe Christmas from the age of 71 back to 1930 when he was born. And you get to see these little snapshots of how every couple years or every year sometimes Klaus and this fellow Joe would have an adventure. Uh, Some of my personal favorites are at the wedding of Joe and his wife. (laughs) Klaus has to defend them from Godzilla that was fun. Yes. Um, they also helped the Beatles fix a broken tire <laughs> one year, and that was fun. Grant Morrison is possibly the world's biggest Beatles fan, so that was a fun little nod for me to see that. And I like the, pir- just, the angry pirate cat. The angry oh pirate my cat God, yes. that led the pet Avengers at some point. <laughs> yeah. And there was the Aesop's Fable rooster playing the guitar and <gasps> excuse was... you that's the rooster from the robin hood movie robin hood. thank you very was, much it was so good i loved seeing it that's not gonna sync up at all people are gonna hate us <laughs> oh joe christmas is so cool he gives me such like a, a tom strong vibe that like classic pulpy hero it's so beautiful I think my favorite was either the one where it's on the TV and it has that Christmas league just because I want more of them. And also my favorite blonde was there, but also um, did like the pet Avengers one. I really liked the, um, the days of future past reference. Yes. That was a fun one. Oh, and the ghost. Did you notice um, the ghostbusters one? It's a ghost of Christmas present future and past. And the ghost of Christmas past looks like the guy who died in the first one. Ooh, I did not notice that. I think I might be exaggerating a little bit because I haven't gone back to check, but I think that's what it looks like. I think that's what it's hinting at. And that's really fascinating. 
I thought that was a neat detail. I like that. Um, and so, like I said, going through the story, you go backwards in time. You see that clearly this person has a close relation relationship with Klaus. And as you get to the last few pages, you begin to see that this person was adopted out of foster care, right? And Klaus mm-hmm. was there for that. You get to see that Klaus was checking on this person while they were in a crib. And then the final image, and I'm going to I'm gonna get Terry just talking about it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the final image is Klaus taking care of this little baby on the steps of the firehouse, right? The Klaus was there to see that th- this baby get dropped off. Obviously imprinted and was like, oh, I have to take care of this baby, make sure they're okay. And stuck with him through his whole entire life. And that was like the most tender thing I've read in a very long time. <laughs> I like it very much. I was so surprised. I did not think that's where it was going. The thing I wanted to pitch out to you is, do you think that's insinuate? Do you think like Joe Christmas is Klaus's son, like a biological son? Do you think that's what that could be hinting at? Because that crossed my mind for a second. Because I'm like, what makes him so special that Klaus comes back just about every year to check on him? See, I think some of the magic for me was that there's nothing special. It is Klaus Mm -hmm. cares about all of us like that. Right? The Santa... Mm -hmm cares about every single kid and this was just like a window into showing that basically that through one person's life you can see the like klaus for me at least it was klaus cared about a random kid right. enough to have this whole story i was just it was so good it was so good and i i, I like that i like the magic of it being just a kid just one mm-hmm. kid that santa claus really cares about because he cares about all kids, so. There are no bad Any kids. Kid could have been Joe Christmas. I do have a question. I don't want to ruin everybody's day, but I went backwards, like mm-hmm. Anne mentioned. Did he get sent back? Something happened when he was nine years old. Yeah. And I Did Googled it. Did his adopted parents get murdered? Because he's back at the orphanage when he's 12. Yeah, something definitely happened. Oh, I think it's a car crash. Is oh, that what that insinuates? Yeah, there's there's a tipped over car and everything's broken. And then he's back at the orphanage when he's 12. So he's picked up, he's loved, he's given the Superman toy when he's six. And then when he's nine, I think there's a car crash and his parents mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. For a second, I thought maybe it was like a reference to um, the Night of Broken Glass because they were fighting Nazis later. But I realized mm-hmm. that, no, it's it's a year too late for that. Mm-hmm. And then he is Santa's sidekick. And then he is Santa's sidekick. I, it's such a good story. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always here for comics that tell stories in non-traditional ways in non-conventional ways. And this is definitely that this was one of the smartest ways I've seen a story told in a long, long time. And honestly, I think this one was my favorite. There's not a single word of spoken dialogue told, but there is an entire story present here. There is an entire life in just these 50 pages and i think that's beautiful that is a masterpiece of a comic in my opinion literally i'm just flipping through this and every single page i turn to makes me smile and i, I just want, want to like, pause and mm-hmm. i want them on my wall i want this as a calendar where's the klaus advent calendar you know what i actually you know how every day on twitter i post like a good morning post and i do either a gif or a comic panel Mm-hmm. I think when December starts, I'm going to post one of these every day. Oh, that is such Christmas. a good idea. 
That is such a good idea. Do that. That's a good idea. It's going to be so fun. I'm grumpy that I can't do that, too. <laughs> good idea. Yeah, wow. I have I them this. once in a while. Yeah, I I loved Klaus. This yeah. became one of my favorite comics of all time very quickly. <laughs> this became something that I want to read annually. I'm definitely going to read it again come December in a month from now. What are you, you going to do? Right Try now, and stop it's, me? Dallas, oh, it, it's December right now. Oh, exactly, Focus. yes. Uh, wee wee, pee pee, from Paris. Breathing Klaus from Paris. Savara uh-huh. and Alfred are going to be all over your ass, I swear to God. I'm going to meet Alfred. We're going to get lunch while I'm out there. Really? Yes. He lives in Paris. It's going to be very fun. Tell him I said hi. I will. And Evan is coming out to see me here. And we're going to get lunch. It's going to be a very fun holiday season for ya boy. Like out here meeting friends and I'm just like, Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> it's not hell, it's Ohio. Put that on the sign. All right. I think it is. So, some speed round Klaus questions so yes. we can get in and out of here, baby. Glenn Machette writes, Dear Santa's elves, what is the worst Ooh. present each of you have ever gotten? Ooh. Oh. It's oh, okay. you go, you go. Okay, it's the worst, not because it's like the physically worst thing, because everyone's gotten socks for Christmas, right? So like we've all been there. I got a copy of Rat Rat Queens Volume Three, and I say it's the worst because I don't have volumes one or two, but they got me Volume Three, and this was also this is gonna be a little emotional. A present from who was at my time the best friend, and that was the last Christmas present he ever got me before we had a big falling out. So, in retrospect, that is the worst mm-hmm. Christmas present I've ever gotten. That is brutal, bruv. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Yes. It happens. All right, Alexis. Oh, last year. This happened last year, which makes it even funnier. Um, <laughs> my my sweet, sweet grandmother on my mother's side, who is taking it personal, my decision to not <laughs> be a holy being. Um <laughs> She got me a tea towel and a copy of the Bible. And that was great. I was like, gee, thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. (laughs) I don't need this, but thank you. I'll use the towel. (laughs) Oh, it just made me giggle a little bit, though. I was like, "Eh, the things you get when you're 20. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Um, this is a very spoiled brat story. So, um, once upon a time when I, I think I was 14, it was right after the iPad came out. I asked for an iPad for Christmas. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted. I asked, I asked, and I asked. My mom kept telling me like, you're not getting an iPad. You're 14. Why would I give you, why would I give you unfettered access to the internet at all times? Like, no, thank you. Bad idea. And in hindsight, she's right. Um, but I had never not gotten like the thing I wanted for Christmas before. So I was like, she's Mom full is of on it. Top of I'm going gonna, gonna to get it. She's just yanking my chain. And then I did not get an iPad that Christmas. <laughs> and I don't remember anything else about that Christmas other than just being like, a that. very grumpy little 14 year old. Like, I remember that. Oh. What the hell? <laughs> my little 14 year old voice just like seething with Can anger. You- can we go back and read the the origin of Klaus and you narrate oh. the spoiled kid with that voice? He he was. I was that kid. I was that kid. He was. 
Oh. We all kind of were a little bit. Our mom was too on top of things. Rotten to the core. Yeah. Um, I remember the Christmas you got an iPhone and I didn't. That was a that was a trip. It's because you're like four years old. Uh, wrong. I was like twelve. Okay, thanks. No twelve year old needs an iPhone. Hot take. Oh, our there it is. Has one, so. I know. Doesn't need one. <laughs> All right. Judy Mauricio writes. Hello, Comics Collective people. You all have no idea how happy it makes me to see you covering Klaus. It's one of my favorite books of all time. This hot barbarian-turned-superhero Santa comic left an immense mark on my heart. And one of the best aspects of it is that alongside being full-on interesting and insightful moments on human nature, as you expect on a Morrison comic, it is also an awesome story where hot Santa kicks the devil in the face while screaming how there are no bad children. So my question is, what was the coolest moment in the book? And I'll extend that to the one shots. Whatever you think is the coolest. Like, are we talking coolest? Like the moment that like made us like gasp, or like just the most badass moment? Whatever, whichever works for you. Whatever you would be like, that is so cool. Go like. This when he decapitated Krampus, I was like, oh, well, there we go. Do it. <laughs> yep. Got him. Uh, mine have you ever has... played... Oh, I no, was going to say, have you ever played um, Brutal Legend? Yeah. No. The, it's a whole Xbox 360 game with Jack Black, and and he, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. He just chops the dude's head off, and then Jack Black <laughs> just screams decapitation for, like, 15 solid seconds. And that's all, like, that's all that went through my head while I was reading that panel. Dallas, go that. ahead. What's your moment? Uh, two page spread of Ragnarok from the crying snowman. I was like, oh, this is the panel that will convince everyone to read this book. I was like, up until this point, I think they've been like, Dallas is reading a Christmas Santa Claus book? What a weirdo. And then that one, everyone was like, wait, just a cop. What the heck? Who the what? And then everyone's like, fine, I guess I'll read Klaus. So that is the coolest page, in my opinion. Oh. I think the coolest moment, because I'm the Doctor Who nerd, was the moment where Klaus is talking to the melting snowman. It is like, actually, you're alive, because we went back in an hour. I thought that was the best twist in all the stories. I thought that was the best moment in all the stories, rivaled only by there are no bad children, because that's such a good message. And I love the hell out of it. It is a good message. Mm -hmm. I There are no bad kids. If yep. you're listening to this... You are not a bad kid. There are no bad kids. No matter how old you are, if you mm -hmm. are 50 years old, you're not a bad kid. You are on Santa's good list. It it, it reminds me of moments like um that I really appreciate from the character Death from DC, um, which I hope we'll be able to talk about those minis at some point. Oh, Don't sorry. shake your head at me. No, sorry. okay. Nope. I'll make it happen. Um, where she's talking to this one person and she's like, so you know what everyone's like? And she's like, I, I know what everyone's like. And she's like, and she's, and then Death says, I don't dislike anyone. And she's like, even the weird people. And Death's like, nobody's weird on the inside. And I really like that. I like that too. Um, yeah, I hope that over the course of the last hour, we have demonstrated to you that Klaus by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora is the perfect Christmas comic. Mm -hmm. Um... You've got a good month ahead of you, folks. Yeah. I made some deals with the devils that I make yeah. this podcast with. <laughs> and we are having a fully Christmas-themed month. So 
next week we will be covering uncanny x-men number 143 with just the three of us lovely people (laughs) and it's a one-shot story where kitty has to fight a xena wait sorry no not definitely not oh my god not not an alien she doesn't she doesn't do alien (laughs) it's completely separate in her very first Christmas special with the X-Men. So it's going to be great. Make sure Mm -hmm. to check out Uncanny X-Men number 143 so that next week you can join in on the fun. Um, If you like the show and want to hear more from us through the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics and comics and Lexi Taylor underscore one, two, three. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. We know you all hate us. Just do it. Someone please. Just once. Throw us a bone. Give us Merry a Christmas to us give us the animals. A Christmas present. Give us a Christmas.